Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, Good morning. My name is Kirk Reed. Uh, I am joined remotely uh, by Mike McNamara. Mike, good morning. Good morning, Kirk. How are you today? I am fine. How are you? So far, so good. Thanks. How's the weather? Uh, add 45 degrees to your Marshfield temperature. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. That sounds good. It's, it was warm yesterday. Uh, you, you might have noticed, but uh, it's back to the, the 20s today, I think. Uh, a little chilly this morning. Um, so, Mike, we also have, we have a special uh, guest in the studio with us, uh, Mr. Ted Dixon. Uh, good morning, Ted. Good morning, Kirk. Good morning, Mike. Hey, Ted. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you. Uh, so, so Ted uh, is the uh, CEO of Dixon Associates uh, near in nearby Duxbury, and and they are an employee benefits firm. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about you know that's our topic today. Uh, so in a second here, I'll give Ted an, an opportunity to introduce himself further. Uh, but Ted also uh, recently published uh, a book, um, and it's called Life and Death Decisions in the C-Suite, which uh, we'll, we can talk about that. And uh, this is, I think, my first... Uh, so, Mike, don't be jealous, but I have an autographed copy here that I'm taking home <laughs> with me. All right, so I'm already a winner today, and we haven't even started. It's probably worth a lot of money in a few years. I, I, absolutely. I'm going to go find a glass <laughs> case for it. Yeah. I have one here for you too, Mike. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'd be happy to uh, personally <laughs> deliver it to Fort Myers as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have room. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, yeah. So, 
Ted, why don't you go ahead and take a minute or two and tell us about yourself and your and your firm and you know how you guys got started. Sure. So uh, Dixon Associates uh, was started by my father, Bill Dixon. And uh, Bill loves the story. He graduated Providence College one fine day in May of 1965 at 11 a.m. in the morning. And at 2 p.m., he went to work for John Hancock Financial Services <laughs> okay. uh, selling life insurance. Uh, and he worked in the what we call the carrier world for about 15 years with John Hancock, uh, Sun Life. Uh, he was the national sales manager for Sun Life for much of the 1970s. Uh, and then in 1980, he decided that uh, it, he wasn't representing his clients well enough working for a company, and he wanted to be an independent broker. And Dixon Associates was born in 1980. I was still riding my 12-speed bike around then. Uh, but that's how Dixon Associates started. Uh, my sister Katie and I joined right at the beginning of this decade uh, after doing some other things. All kids say no to insurance when, uh, they, when they're in their 20s and by their 30s they say, hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's probably, it's not, very, it's not all that exciting when you're a kid, but until you realize that you can make some money doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, you, you find out that most jobs are, consist of blocking and tackling, and if you can uh, block and tackle and have a nice lifestyle too, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we've been for more than 40 years now a traditional uh, insurance. So we do, we, of course, Bill started out with life insurance. We still do a lot of life insurance uh, for individuals, business owners. Uh, we do group disability, group dental insurance. Uh, we actually do a lot of 401k and profit sharing plans. We see those as part of the whole employee benefit package. Um, but the big bugaboo in uh, employee benefits uh, kind of always has been, but I think it's become more intense of recent years is the employer-sponsored health care. Mm. Um, and I, I, liked, I lo- really like the term cost plus, right? I think it's a term that everybody uh, who's listening can understand. If you're going to provide a service to me, uh, we, we have a fairly good understanding and in today's day age of transparency we all kind of understand Kirk if you're going to provide a service we understand how much it costs you to produce that service I don't mind paying you a markup because you need to make a living you need to grow your business Uh, but we have a pretty good understanding of what that markup is so you take a product like life insurance or dental insurance and that's pretty easy we know a guy your age of your health uh, how many of you will will like pass in the next 10 years. We create a premium that keeps our life insurance company in business, gives us some profit, and pays the claims as they go. It's pretty easy to determine that. So what, what's, what, what, is, so what is my life expectancy? <laughs> You're, how, what are you, <laughs> early 40s, Kirk? Yeah, 41. Yeah, so we're giving you at least 84, 85 at oh, this stage. Oh, sweet. Okay. So you got right. a ways to go. Sounds good. <laughs> would, I'd take 84 if you gave it to me right now. I how, think how I, I you, would Mike? too, yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So I, yeah, I get that. And I, you know, and the, yeah, there's, it's, you know, the quote unquote value proposition, right? You know, what, sure. you know, what, what are you offering and why should I pay you X number of dollars? And, and you got it. I mean, yeah, yeah. You should feel the, you know, the need to make it worth their while and not be charging extra and all that stuff, but, but it happens. Right. And, and the reason health insurance has 
gone so far afield from that and become such a mess and become such an issue, uh, in my mind, for a, a good deal of the American population and for most uh, employer groups, it's really problematic. But the reason is we can't really put our finger on what what that product costs to produce and therefore what's a fair price for it. Uh, and we're all kind of guilty of it. If you think back um, 30 years you might, or, or even 20 years. I can, right? I can go 30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's go back to the to the. Uh, personally, I go back to the late 1990s when my first two children were born. Uh, you know, I was on my. We were on employer-sponsored health care. Paid nothing for it. It was part of the employment package. There was no real premium for us as employees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my kids were born. I don't think it cost me more than 20 bucks to have them born at great teaching hospitals in the Philadelphia area. Okay. Uh, even in. 2001, when my youngest daughter Genevieve was born, and I was an entrepreneur now paying for my own health insurance, the blue, good Blue Cross Blue Shield plan under $500 a month. I think I had it might have cost 50 bucks for her to be born mm-hmm. at a great hospital. It was a luxurious room. I can remember it. Uh, fast forward, that was just over 20 years ago, and my family health insurance premium now is. Did you have a, Did you have a baby recently? No. <laughs> no, <thank Okay>. <laughs> no, sir. I don't have a, I don't have that experience. Okay. But I'm sure people. Li- there are some people listening who can uh, testify to the fact that it costs a bit more than fifty bucks to have a baby now, even if you have "quote unquote" good insurance. Right. right? And, and a nor- and a uneventful, so to speak, birth. Uh, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, you know, at this stage, my family health insurance premium runs $3,000 a month. Uh, and it comes with a $5,000 deductible. I get no services until I've, I'm out of pocket $5,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would ask anybody listening, has your salary gone up by six times in the last 20 years? Right. Uh, not to mention the deductibles. So right. what's what's going on here? Uh, something's wrong with that system. And that's, and that's basically what the book is about, or that's a big part of it? <clears throat> Huge part of this book. The book uh, came about, uh, there's, there's a number of uh, employee benefit advisors, consultants around the country uh, who have started to notice this over the last well, really over the last decade, a lot of people have noticed it. Personally, I started to get tired of delivering 6 to 15% increases to our clients on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. If, if you're a financial guy, you know if I deliver you a 6% increase on a product year after year, yeah. the price of that will double in 10 years. Yeah, sure. That's just the yeah. way it works. Yeah, the rule of 72. Correct, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And, and so I started to look at that, and I'm saying, and, and the worst part of that is, I would say for the first 15 years that I was in business, my chief role was to work with you as the owner of a business or the HR director. And you and I would spend six to eight weeks prior to renewal deciding, are we going to go with Blue Cross, Harvard Pilgrim, United this year? Uh, what what do we want to do with copays and deductibles? I'd, I'd get you all squared away for open enrollment and off I go. Mm-hmm. Not really thinking too much about what impact does this have on your employees? Well, about five or six years ago, I started to say, this is, this is killing the average American. You know, even people who are earning good money, uh, when you 
increase the cost of them because the, the days are gone where your employer pays 100%. I would say that's pretty rare to find something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and if even, even the portion that the employer pays, I would argue, that's your money. If, you, if, if you're working for somebody that's paying 100% of your health insurance premium and your family plan costs that employer $2,000, $3,000 a month, I, I would say to you, your owner, she, she would rather be putting that back into your pocket in the form of salary or better right. benefits. Okay. Uh, it's not like she's looking to pocket it. Uh, and, and particularly in this day and age with, with the great <laughs> resignation, right? Employers aren't looking to put money necessarily in their pocket. They need you around. They need you producing uh, so that they can thrive in this in, in this business environment. And the health insurance premiums are just sucking it out of them and you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Mike, you know, wants to or can speak to that as far as our firm goes. I, I honestly don't know how involved he is with that. Um, I mean, do you have any comments on that, Mike, as far as, you know, our business, you know, just as an example and... Sure. Uh, t- Ted speaks the truth is the short story. For the, for the longest while, it was important to me to pay 100% of employee benefits. And over time, that just got to be like impossible given the circumstances. And I'm sure there are a lot of business owners listening to us that feel the same way. So he's doing fine so far, Kirk. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So yeah, so by the, way, yeah. by the way, Ted, one one question: Is it just one book, or is it a really thick book for talking about these problems? That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Kirk it's, asked me when we first it's talked. It's a good size book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When when Kirk and I first started talking about, it, he said, "Could you talk about this for two hours?" And I said, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Without hesitation, I was like, "All right, you're kind of you're my kind of guest." Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, you know, let's keep talking about the book for a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So in 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 in, in uh, f- f- full honesty, I am not the only author of the book. I'm a contributing author, uh, and and that that's kind of a neat part of it. This, these are broker consultants for, from all over the United States. Uh, we all kind of came to the same conclusion five or six years ago that this is broken, um, and we started to educate ourselves and enlighten ourselves to the fact that you actually can fix this. This isn't a problem that, you know, a lot of people just throw up their hands and say, well, it is what it is. I'm going to get an 8% increase from Blue Cross this year, and I just have to find a way to explain it to my employees. Yeah, I mean, mean, to me, it's just like, it's such a big thing that I wouldn't have any idea how to figure out what's going on. You know, that's just like, it's so far removed from me that, yeah, I wouldn't have a clue. And and quite frankly, I was the same way. I was doing it every day for 15, 16 years and kind of just saying to myself, I, this, this isn't so much fun anymore. Uh, so started getting together with these other broker consultants from around the country and, 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 and some good creative vendors uh, who had been around the business so much uh, and, and saying, geez, we can really see this for what it is and break apart the healthcare supply chain and, and start to fix it. Um, now it takes some doing and it's a, it's a real mindset change because people, I would say folks my age and, and older, or even as young as, as you Kirk, we're still 
of the mindset that got to have that Blue Cross card, got to have that third party payer, and I don't want to be involved with it. We, we really just don't want to think about it. It's like it, nobody wants to know how the sausage is made, right? <laughs> it's uh, it's it's complex. It's 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 mind boggling. But when you really boil down to again, I go back to the term cost plus. Why can't we get there? Why can't we get to cost plus? And in this book, um, the, the the consultants all talk about different ways in which you can boil it down. My chapter happens to be, I think, where where the starting point is, and that's data. And we now have, because of information technology that's kind of swept into so many other industries, it's there for the employer-sponsored healthcare care field now. So the technology is there so we can actually see what's going on. Uh, not that we necessarily want to. Yeah, but you can. <laughs> but yeah. you can. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can see why that could have been harder previously with yeah lack of information and lack of data. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, as time goes on, that becomes, I guess, a little more transparent or easier to, I guess, quantify. Correct. Um, yeah. So, so Mike, I don't know if you noticed, so, but Ted is the is the guy on the front of the book. You know, he's, okay. he's not. So yeah. So he's he's the face. He's the face of the book. <laughs> so, so Ted, before you finish up on the book, however long that takes is fine with us. Uh, can you give us the uh, the Reader's Digest version of uh, the problem and the solutions? So Americans can kind of get that at least in their minds. No, no hurry, but that's something I'd like to hear from. It's like a digest, if you could, someplace. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, it it first starts with with vision and data. So you you have to know what's going on. You have to know what the cost of the services are that you're getting. Uh, as and and that's hard in employer sponsored healthcare because you've got you know hundreds of people in your employ. Uh, all kinds of different mindsets, but it starts there. Hey, here's what it is that we're buying, and here's how much it costs, and here's a fair price for it. And then, how do you get to that fair price? Uh, do you do it through uh, your insurance company? And and w- one thing that's important for us here in Massachusetts is we're actually pretty lucky. So I wrote this book with you know folks from all over the country. <clears throat> Not only I think we're all aware that we have good healthcare here in Massachusetts, you know, Brigham and Women's, Mass General, Leahy and Beth yeah, Israel. Good, we have it, really it good attracts, healthcare. Yeah, good, you know, nurses and doctors and all that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No doubt about that. The other thing that we also have is we have a, a, a still a small handful of great local HMOs. Uh, run by great people uh, who, uh, you know, know their stuff. Uh, they're good companies. You know, you go down to New York City and you've got uh, Oxford Health, which is run by United Healthcare. Uh, they're, they're a big, ugly animal, right? They're okay. a for-profit uh, okay. health insurance company. And, you know, they, they, they provide the same service, but it's, it's a bit rockier of a road. Mm. To have local folks like Harvard Pilgrim and Tufts and Always Health Plan and, and, and a local uh, Blue Cross. You know, you go to New Hampshire and their Blue Cross is Anthem. That's a large for-profit company. Uh, whereas here in Massachusetts, we have a local HMO. And, and that should, and I'm hopeful that those folks come around to working on a cost plus model. But the way the health insurance is broken down now, it, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, 
But the, we're, we're lucky here in Massachusetts that we have those folks. Uh, but as employer groups in Massachusetts, we have to start asking the tough questions about what's the cost and, and what's so, the yeah, appropriate could, price. Could you maybe just... Uh, Define that a little bit more about you know the HMO versus the you know the for profit because uh, I don't know that I fully understand what that means. Yeah, sure. So uh, you've got five very large for profit health insurance companies in the United States. Uh, most Blue Cross plans in the United States are run by a company called Anthem. Uh, then you have United Healthcare. You've got Cigna. You've got Aetna. And you've got Humana. Okay, I've heard of all those. Yeah, yeah. In in, in our in our parlance in the uh, employer benefit world, we call them the Bucas. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's not a term of endearment. Yeah, no, no, it usually isn't. Okay. Uh, and, and so they're they're mostly publicly traded companies. So not only do they have to pay for your uh, care and they've got to keep their own lights on, they have uh, shareholders that Mm. they answer to. Mm. Uh, So good news is if you're a United shareholder, uh, United stock price is up by 300% since the Affordable Care Act Mm. passed. Interesting. Bad news is if you are a policyholder with United, you've largely paid for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The local, now, most most parts of the country don't have a lot of local HMOs, and we're lucky here in New England that we have folks like Harvard Pilgrim, Tufts, and, and we've got quite quite a few, right, relative to other states. I mean, as we far do. as options, yeah, yeah, we do, which is which is great. Unfortunately, it's shrinking, uh, as we know. Uh, Harvard and Tufts have okay. finished their merger, so okay. they're going to be yeah. one company. Uh, Fallon Healthcare, which was a really nice, uh, you know, small HMO in Central and Western Mass, they've stopped. Doing uh, employer-sponsored healthcare okay. altogether, oh. they're just in the Medicare uh, world these days. Uh, so you're seeing, like in a lot of other industries. Uh, Mergers, acquisitions, roll-ups, uh, and and I would argue that that's not necessarily so good for the end user. I yeah I yeah and I I you know Mike before the air before we went on I was mentioning to to Ted about our you know our custodian how they're getting you know how they're merging and you know getting bought and how the yeah we're I mean we're already nervous about how that might affect us and so yeah I understand yeah mergers don't always end well for for the for the for the end user uh, so i totally get that um, yeah yeah ted um it, so are there really three choices, uh, profits, nonprofits, and the government? Uh, and and if nonprofits are folding or merging don't they have to raise their prices to re- to reflect that as opposed to going out of business? I i i i, I don't quite understand that. So uh, it's not that different, Mike, in in the actual where the rubber meets the road between the uh, for-profit and the non-profit. It's just kind of where those premium dollars get deployed in a for-profit. Uh, you know, eventually they do have to pay their shareholders, whereas a local HMO uh, simply invests it back into their business, right, in the form of uh, salaries for their employees and beefing up their business. Uh, the but the problem is systemic, I would argue. So I, I, in this book, we're kind of arguing for a fourth choice, and that is to unbundle your employer-sponsored healthcare plan, look at it as, okay, we, have, we know we have to hire an administrator, 
who's going to pay our claims on behalf of our employees. We don't want to be in that business. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that administrator needs to negotiate with uh, the provider groups, the doctors, the hospitals, the facilities. They need to negotiate, okay, here is what we're going to pay you. Uh, and, and that's that's what these insurance companies do. The problem with the way the current contract is set up between these insurance companies and your providers is there's what's called a gag order in all of those contracts. By the, by the those contracts are written so that they cannot disclose to you, the end user, what it is that Blue Cross Blue Shield pays South Shore Hospital for your MRI. If you ask for that, they'd say, no, we can't tell you that by law. That uh, by law, okay. So it starts well so by their yeah, contract. By their contract. By their contract. Yeah. As as a matter of fact, uh, the the new law that just came into into play, uh, the Consolidated Appropriations Act, uh, was passed last year, and it came into effect in January first of of this year. Uh, it, there's there's been some back and forth on it when when they when Trump was still in office and they were talking about transparency and putting transparency into faith. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, I got to interrupt you, Ted, and uh, you can you can finish that thought when we come back if you like. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna take a break here. So uh, this morning uh, we're uh, we have a special guest, uh, Ted Dix- Dixon, uh, CEO of Dixon Associates in Duxbury. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed, also Mike McNamara. We'll be right back. Market turbulence can cause panic and you might be wondering if your investments are allocated properly. I'm Kirk Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Let me help you understand your investment strategy and ensure that it is suitable for you. Then you can turn off the financial news and move on with your life. We are back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed. Uh, Joined this morning uh, remotely uh, by Mike McNamara. Good morning again, Mike. Standing by. You're still there. Okay. And I see you moved. Uh, you moved to a different part of the house there. <laughs> well, I, I figured if we were going to end up uh, on a TV show sometime, I wanted to look a little bit more professional. It looks know? it looks wonderful. And actually, I'm trying to, <laughs> I, I tried to do it today, but it's telling me I need permission from the host. I don't know who the host is. I thought I was the yeah, host, but yeah. apparently you, not you, as far as you'll you. Note the, you'll yeah. note the shirt has a collar. Uh, but uh, the shorts aren't, aren't invisible. So that's, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I didn't wear a collar. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, we have an in-studio uh, guest, uh, Mr. Ted Dixon. Good morning again, Ted. Good morning. Um, so if you're just joining us, uh, Ted is the CEO of Dixon, and, Dixon Associates uh, in Duxbury. Uh, they are an employee benefits firm. Um, we were chatting about uh, a book uh, that Ted and some of his colleagues uh, recently published, um, talking about, um, you know, problems, uh, so to speak, with, with the health insurance uh, system. Um, and we were just kind of getting into, um, I guess, the, the payment structure of, of how that works. And you were starting to, you were, you were on a roll there and I, I had to interrupt you. So uh, if you if you remember where you were, you can you can continue from there. Well, we have to pay the bills. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about uh, the, the, the payment structure and, and how the, the, the system which we all really enjoyed, like I was talking about earlier. It, it worked for everybody back in the 1990s. You, you essentially had four constituencies. You had uh, the doctors, the providers, you had the insurance companies, you have the employers, uh, and ultimately you have the employees. Uh, we can look around, you can go to Mass General, you can go to Brigham and Women's, they're doing pretty well. You know, uh, you, we talked about the fact that United Healthcare's uh, stock price has gone up by 300% since the Affordable Care Act passed. 
they're doing well. Yeah, and you mentioned that before. And can you, can you explain why that is? Uh, yeah. yeah. So when when we were debating the Affordable Care Act uh, in the early Obama years, the insurance companies were scared stiff, right? Uh, oh my gosh, this is like a government takeover of health insurance. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, the, 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 the government and the insurance companies set up a pretty cozy uh, situation. The government said, hey, uh, we need to let all comers in the pool, no questions asked. Uh, they don't need to clean up. They don't need to take a shower before they get in the pool. <laughs> Just let them jump in. Okay, yep. And insurance companies, yep. we're going to let you sell the chlorine to clean the pool. Okay. So if you think about Did you come that, up with that analogy or something? I didn't. It's, okay. But it's, I, I liked it, it when I heard it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and and I've, I think I've perfected it a little bit. You know, I, don't, I think you have. <laughs> the uh, so if I'm a chlorine salesman and the government tells me you have to not ask people to clean up, just let them in the pool. Don't even ask them questions. Don't yeah. even ask them what other pool that they came from. They're just going to jump in. Well, that's okay. I'm making a twenty percent markup on the chlorine, and if you want to keep sending me dirty folks and <laughs> throw them in my pool, that's that's great. I'll sell more chlorine. So it's a good situation. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then why would I put any controls on, you know, letting people, uh, figure out how to be in that pool, right? Why would there be quality control in the care that people get? Because the more the prices go up for the, that service, the better I do. You have a little conflict of interest there. The system is set up not for quality. Hmm. So we, we started to talk about transparency and the fact that uh, right now, if you ask, if you're an employer in Massachusetts and you ask Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, say, hey, tell me what it is you're paying for me and my employees to use South Shore Hospital, Beth Israel, Plymouth. By their contracts, they're not allowed to tell you. Uh, then we have the... Uh, the uh, Consolidated Appropriations Act that has just gone into effect, uh, which says, no, you, you have to tell. And by law, your, the, the employer who sponsors the health care plan is supposed to be able to tell their employees, this is what an MRI costs in okay, South Shore yeah. Hospital. Good luck getting that, Mr. Employer. Okay. As a matter of fact, in March of last year, the, arguably the largest employer group in, in New England, uh, the uh, Massachusetts Employer, uh, Laborers uh, Union, their health and welfare fund, uh, came to, and, and all Blue Cross does for this fund, this is what's called a self-funded plan, uh, where Blue Cross is simply the administrator. They provide administrative services only. So the, the welfare fund sends a chunk of money every month uh, to Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts to pay for their members, you know, the administration, the fixed costs, the insurance, but most importantly, the claims. Blue, uh, the, the welfare fund said to Blue Cross, you know, we'd like to take a look at this kind of like we do with our, our, our shipping companies. You know, we, we, we audit FedEx, right? Yeah. If you're a business owner, yeah. you're going to audit f- your FedEx bills, your UPS bills. You audit everything. Sure. Uh, or you probably should. You probably should. <laughs> it would yeah. be, it may, you know, I think any CFO out there listening right now says, yeah, we audit that stuff. Right. The, the laborers union asked Blue Cross, we'd give us the data on our health plan. We want to look back over the last few years, see if we've overpaid in any spot. <laughs> Blue Cross said, no way, Jose. Yeah. Not getting that information. Gee, okay. So the, the largest employer group 
in New England. Does, doesn't that, I mean, shouldn't that set off all kinds of alarms and things? I mean, that, that they're not willing to give that up. It's like certain people not giving up their tax returns, you know, for people to look at. You know that there's something going on, right? Uh, that they don't want you to see. And that, that's, that's just not, that's not cool. <laughs> And now, and now there's a law that says that Blue Cross has to give them that. But as far as I know, that that lawsuit was filed last March, and it's still they're still fighting it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Blue Cross does not want to give the employer group that information, and 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 rightfully so, because their contract with Mass General, for example, says no, you can't dis- disclose that information. Who, so who? I mean, who, if anybody, would have the power to kind of? get themselves in there and, and make that happen. So that's, that is the solution, right? Um, we're, we're, let's talk about the way we finance our health care. Uh, and, and this is why this change uh, is going to happen because I think uh, employees are going to demand it, uh, and, and ultimately that means the employers are going to demand it. Uh, but it's going to take some time. Uh, I'll, ta- I'll take you to the end of the road, though, and what it, what it looks like. Uh, it, the listeners might want to Google a, a business. Co- it's called Rosen Hotels. It's a small hotel chain based in Orlando, Florida. Uh, nine hotels, and if you can imagine, that, that's a pretty competitive market to sure. be a little guy. Sure. What's the secret sauce that keeps Rosen Hotels in business and, in fact, thriving? Uh, their secret sauce is they have a 90% retention rate of their employees mm. uh, in, in an industry where uh, it, it doesn't take a, a genius to realize it's probably about 50%. That's what the really? retention okay. rate is yeah. for hotel businesses for obvious reasons. Well, why is Rosen Hotels at 90%? Uh, they, their employees pay very little for their health insurance. They have no deductibles, very small copays, and they have great access to care. Hmm. They get their care. And it's not necessarily what you would consider a uh, gold standard of healthy population, right? They're getting folks from all around the world to come into their hotels. They don't know what they're getting. Talk, talk about a dirty pool, <laughs> right? Okay. But what they do is they, they have eschewed health insurance companies. They said, we don't need an insurance company. We can manage our own health plan for our employees. We're going to give them complete access to doctors and hospitals that they want to see. But the plan is just going to directly pay for those providers. We're not going to, we don't need an insurance company to do that. I see. And we're going to manage that. We're going to say to our employees, look, in order to have no deductible, no copay, you have to get care at the right place at the right time for the right price. Rosen Hotels now the, their cost per employee per year to insure their employees for, for health insurance is 40% less than the national average. On average, per employee per year for health insurance, your employer is spending 13500 per employee per year. That's a national average, All right. according to a study so that was around done in th- Around $1,000 a month, roughly, a little more than $1,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah per okay. employee. Yeah. Uh, Rosen is at 7500 And now... Rosen has redeployed those dollars. If you work for Rosen Hotels for more than five years, Rosen Hotel is going to pay for your kid's college education in the state of Florida. Unbelievable. So you can imagine why they have 90% retention. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, awesome benefits. Yeah. Okay. So, so Ted, the source of the money is exclusively from the company, Rosen, and not the employees? There's no premiums? 
They, that's a great question, Mike. They, they do charge the employees a slight amount, and, and there's a reason for that. They want the employees to understand that there's some skin in the game for them. Yeah. Okay. There's no other reason other than that. They, so, so if that employer is large enough to be able to do that and basically just pay for the administration of it on their own, in their own little world, is that basically how it works? Yes, and you make a great point there, Mike. They're, they're large enough. It's yeah. kind of a, 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 and one of the reasons that uh, the, all these authors of this book got together was, you know, Rosen Hotels has 3,000 employees. That, in the grand scheme of things, that sounds like a large company, but it's not all that large. Okay. That, let's take a look at what uh, Amazon is proposing to do with their health plan mm. right now. They're, they're planning to expand the Rosen Hotels model. All Amazon is doing is saying, hey, we have the technology. We know, we have the technology to know exactly, for example, what Brigham and Women's gets uh, for that MRI from Medicare, from Blue Cross, from United. So we're going to pinpoint a sweet spot. Again, I go back to cost plus. We're going to come in and tell Brigham and Women's, this is what we're going to pay you for Kirk's MRI. Boom, there you go. No insurance company involved. We have a we have a for the benefit of bank account for our health insurance, and we pay you out of that account. And Brigham and Women's is pretty happy to get that money because it fits right in the sweet spot of what they're used to getting. And now they don't have to file you know, all the paperwork with the insurance company. That's what Amazon is doing. It's an expansion of what Rosen Hotels does. Amazon has more than 3,000 employees? They have a few more, yeah. Okay, all right. But now, how how do we do that for an employer group here on the South Shore with 30 employees? Doesn't sound like it's possible, right? Right, Yeah, right. It absolutely is. Okay. We now have products. Tell us, tell us. (laughs) So, yeah, we... we, uh, we have, and we have businesses here on the South Shore where we have eschewed the insurance company and we've said, okay, we're going to self, leverage technology. Not really self-insure, but yeah. So you bring up a good point, Kirk, yeah. and fully insured versus self-insured is simply a financial mechanism by which you pay for your health care. I would argue that we're all self-insured, okay, right? Uh, because we're, we're all paying for our claims. Uh, it's just in different ways. If you're a thousand life employer and you're fully insured uh, with Blue Cross Blue Shield, let's say, Blue Cross Blue Shield is going to come to you at the end of the year and say, you know what? You you sent us 10 million for your health insurance last year. You cost us 11 million. Here's a 20% increase in next year's premiums. Yeah. You're self-funding. Yeah, right. Okay. If you're a 30 life group and you're insured with Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you're in what's called the small group merged market. And and I hear from those employers all the time, hey, if we were bigger, if we joined together with all the other 33 li- and three life groups on the South Shore and formed an association. Like, a, like, a, like, union, like unionizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't we have more buying power? Yeah. And it's funny because all the merged market is, is the largest association plan in the state of Massachusetts. Okay. The problem with an association plan is you're only as good as your weakest members, right? So 80% of us are going to pay for the 20% of those small groups that are using healthcare. And again, because of the way these contracts are written between the insurance company that you've signed up with and the providers that you're using, there's no incentive for controls in there for you and those other groups to say, 
shouldn't we act a little bit more like Rosen Hotels and Amazon to keep our, empl- our costs down and our quality of care up? Um, and, and that's important in, in, for health insurance, for health. Quality costs less. It's inverse of what we all typically think, right? Okay. We all yeah. think, okay, it costs more. Right. As a matter of fact, I, I'll have groups who say, yeah, we pay more for Blue Cross because they're the best. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, just the perception of it, sure. It's a perception. Yeah, it, sure. Blue Cross costs more, therefore that's what we want for our employees. Mm. Okay, yeah. fine. But the so, so those same contracts that say Blue Cross Blue Shield can't tell you what the cost is of an MRI at South Shore, that contract also says... Blue Cross can't tell you that Dr. Reed at Mass General, he, the guy who your doctor has recommended you go see for your shoulder surgery coming up in July, he does 12 shoulder surgeries a year. Six of them come back with infections. Three of them come back for a second surgery. Right. But you use but, my name there? I don't know about that. Okay. Well, well, then we have Dr. McNamara over at Beth Israel. Oh, he well, does, wait, is he going to be the good one? Yeah. Oh, he does man. 100 shoulder surgeries a month yeah. with great outcomes. <laughs> Wouldn't, You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, I would not let him do that if I knew that was where that was going to go. <laughs> wouldn't you rather, would, as, a, as a consumer, wouldn't you rather go see well, Dr. Well, I could McNamara? also argue, I could argue that Dr. McNamara is due to have a, a bad one. Oh. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's true. But but you want to make that decision with data, right? Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare, Harvard Pilgrim, by their contracts with their providers, cannot tell you about Dr. Reed and so, his bad surgeries. Can you? So yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, it's a, a great example. And um, can you go back earlier? You said about how how Amazon or somebody like that can can does able they aren't able to know what that price is. How, how, how so? How are they able to do that? So, so the prices are posted. By law, they have to be. Where? It's deep within the recesses of the website at South Shore Hospital. Okay. You can find out what the prices are. Okay. Yeah, Kirk, if Amazon walked into South Shore Hospital and said, we'd like to give you some money, just tell us how much it costs, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to they're strike a separate deal with Amazon, and they'll tell them the costs. I Is see. that correct, Ted? I mean, that's how it works, right? You, you're, you're getting at it. You're getting at it, Mike, for sure. Um, <laughs> and and that, that law passed... Uh, January 1st of 2021, where hospitals are required to make public what their prices are. They're, they're somewhere, but you have to find them. Mm. And if I'm... Like a scavenger hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm an employer of a 30 Life trucking company in Weymouth, Mass., do you think I want to take the time to figure that out? No. But, and, and because I've been taught over the years that Blue Cross is the best... So that's what I'm going to get for my employees. I've just aligned myself with uh, a, a partner who has no interest in telling me those prices either. Mm. But the partners do exist. You could go with an independent administrator that wants to leverage uh, a, a disinterested third party who has the technology that says, okay, we know exactly what South Shore Hospital charges for an MRI. We know what they charge Medicare, we know what they charge Blue Cross, we know what they charge Medicaid, we know what they charge United, and we're going to leverage that technology. And, and this is all fast now, right? We have Venmo, we have ways to pay these folks very quickly with information. It's just we need to align ourselves with a partner that has that incentive along with us. Um, 
And you might you might have mentioned this earlier about as I was just curious about if you know on average kind of what the markup is, you know, between what the, what they actually charge and then what the insurance company charges. Sure. Thanks for asking. That's okay. A, that's a great question. <laughs> okay. So uh, we've all heard of the Rand Corporation. Sure. So Rand Corporation did a study back in 2019 of exactly that. Uh, so the only marker that we really have for healthcare, kind of a baseline, is what these facilities get paid by Medicare. Okay. And that's actually different in different parts of the country. People say, oh, you know, these hospitals, they only get cost for Medicare. They operate on cost. That's what they charge Medicare. And then they have to mark it up for the rest of us. I, I, there's some truth to that. They don't make a lot of money on Medicare. Huh? But Medicare pays Mass General a lot differently than they pay, uh, you know, Oklahoma Regional uh, Hospital because they do take into account, okay, care costs more in the city of Boston than it does in Oklahoma uh, in, in one of their remote counties. But at least we have that baseline. And Rand did that study. Uh, and, and Boston's not too bad. On average around the country, good hospitals are charging private payers somewhere between 250 and 350% of Medicare. So when you go for that MRI at South Shore, you're paying three times the amount that Mike does because he's on Medicare. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so Ted, Ted, just a question. So, so if you have a successful organization that does this, the uh, the, the costs are are less. The money that that they could do other things with is more. Th theoretically, that's a more uh, that's a better way. Uh, and less painful for the 80% to take care of the 20%, theoretically. It, it makes it, it's probably more, uh, it, 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 you know, probably more fair because you have more money to cover that difference. Is that, did I say that correctly? Perfect. Perfect. I, I go back to the beginning. We're talking about cost plus. If we can see these things, now we can negotiate a fair price. Uh, so a, a, a great example came out in Fortune magazine last month. We all know the name Mark Cuban uh, from, from Shark Tank. And, mm -hmm. uh, the Mavs. The, the Mavs. Yep. So uh, Mr. Cuban started a business uh, last year. Another, uh, another, another, another business, one. Another, another business. business yeah. 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 It's called Cost Plus. All it is, it's a, it's a pharmacy right? Okay. Where he buys uh, drugs from the manufacturers. Uh, he gives them their cost plus 15%. And then he's going to mark up that drug by 15% and sell it to you, the consumer. And But 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 you're saying the end result is still going to be cheaper than the other avenues? Yeah. We want to get into pharmacy benefit managers now? We're going to, well, we were going to say that. Yeah, we, yeah, we certainly can. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt, the answer is by a bunch. <laughs> I mean, but again, like, you know, as, you know, as we talked about earlier, like, you know, I have no clue, right? I mean, as a as an average, you know, citizen or whatever, like, that's just something I, I'm not, I don't really, I'm not interested in. Like, I don't, you know, have the yeah. time or the inclination to, to look at that stuff. And so I just pay what it is and, and, and it's probably too much. And yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah it's, Kirk, Kirk, we're both, C I'm guilty of the same. We're both CFPs. We probably should know more about this, but in our personal lives, we, we don't think about it. And that's what keeps the train going. I guess, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It sure does, yeah. uh, and and we're all guilty of it, right? Nobody wants to really know how the sausage is made. It's easy. It's what we're used to, and and I would argue, and and my chapter in the book, the argument is, yeah, you can you can keep doing it this way. You can 
stay with Blue Cross. You can stay with United because, quite frankly, it's going to take a while for you to digest this, to understand, to see it, let alone, let's say you're the CFO of your company. Now you you have to digest, you have to understand, and you're not going to do this alone. You're going to have to have HR on board. So now we have to educate them. We have to get them on board. Uh, if you have a board of directors, you're going to have to get them on board. Last but not least, now we have to go to the employees and say, you know what? You don't have Blue Cross anymore. Well, who do we have? I don't know. It's some unknown company. It's an independent administrator mm-hmm. on your card. Mm-hmm. That's going to take a while. Sure. Right? Sure. So we have to keep going down this road if, if that's going to be our mindset. So it's going to take some time. But we want to be able to see what the future looks like. We want to leverage technology to know what we're paying for. And we can still do that. We have ways to do that, even if you want to stay with Blue Cross United for the next couple of years. But you should have that information. Yeah, the, the hurdle. The, if you're a Fortune 500 company and want to do this, the hurdles are a, lo- a lot lower than if you want to try to associate 25 or 30 different smaller organizations in Massachusetts. I mean, think of the people and the administration and the qualification. I mean, w- where are all these people coming from? They're going to probably get, uh, you know, pirated uh, from existing healthcare companies. So it's a, it's a really long set of hurdles for those things to get overcome. And I, I understand that part about time. Ho- hopefully, there's some momentum there that's at least started on this whole thing. Is there, Ted, is it kind of unfolding? Well, you make a great point, Mike. Uh, I, I think uh, the, t- the timing the timing is all about you as a company. You could be a, a, a 30 life, you could be a three life group and you could decide, yeah, this is the direction we're going to go today. You, somebody out there could be sitting with a, a, an April 1st renewal and, and I can get them to this solution. I can get you a three life group to a plan that basically resembles Rosen Hotels, right? But I don't want to do that to you and your employees between now and April 1st. We want to start talking about it this April 1st and implement it next April 1st. It's there, Mike. It's not It's not the solutions that aren't there. It's the mindset of, of us, the end user and the employer. Uh, it's a, it's a long glide path is what you're saying, basically. It, it is. It is. Yeah, okay. We, we've done it quickly. Uh, it's it's a little bit rocky at the start, but boy, it works pretty well about two or three months into the plan. You have yeah. employees that are really happy. So you've yeah. So you so you you're saying that you've basically done this. Oh yeah. Uh, with with real real live people and like how so how much history do you have behind that? Um. So again, it's a glide path. Uh, let's go back to pharmacy benefit management for a while. Okay. We've been doing this for. for we, got, we just have a couple a minute or two before yep, we take a break. Yeah. Yep. We'll, we'll if you align yourself with the right pharmacy benefit manager, you can. There are dozens of pharmacy benefit managers now that do what Mark Cuban is doing. Buy the, buy the drug at a cost, sell it back to their uh, employer-sponsored health care plans at cost. When we do that, we have people on specialty drugs, uh, call it Humira, that where if you're, if you're on Blue Cross Blue Shield, and, and sorry, Blue Cross, I keep beating on you, uh, you're paying a $200 copay. I don't, I don't work for Blue Cross. <laughs> now, now, on these plans, these employees have a $0 copay. Why do they have a zero dollar copay? Because the plan is buying that Humera for two thousand a month rather than ten thousand through uh, Express Scripts, which mm-hmm. Blue Cross uses. Okay, so we can get on to that a little bit more on the other side of the break. I think I think we can do that. So, um, so Mike, we're gonna. 
take a break in a minute or so here. Uh, so we've been chatting uh, with Ted Dixon. Uh, he is the CEO of Dixon Associates uh, in Duxbury. And and if you want, Ted, if you want to take another minute here right before the break, I mean, I mean, do you just maybe tell the listeners like who you work with? You know, like what are the type of people that you are looking for? You know, as far as working with. Oh yeah, so. Uh, at, at any given time, uh, Dixon Associates is working with about five or six hundred employer groups. Uh, most of them are here in Eastern Mass, uh, and and we work for for groups that have two employees to thousands. Uh, you know, uh, we're happy to uh, consult with anybody of any size on these things. Perfect. All right, thank you. All right, so we're going to take a break, uh, and we'll be uh, back in just a couple minutes. 